1: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 82, 5000 BC. (music) Hello there, I am Dan and I'm the fan of history. This is the second to last scripts that Chainsawersby wrote about prehistory. Uh, We will finish with the next uh, episode. Then I will start searching again on Patreon for any further episodes. So please, please support this podcast on patreon.com slash fan of history or search for fan of history on Patreon. If you can find it in your heart to give me a dollar an episode, I will be most happy because I love this podcast. I'm doing nine podcasts. I'm making a living podcasting. It's not from this podcast. I want it to be from this podcast. Uh, what will happen later, uh, if there is no improvement, I will publish the six ninety script. I have a, a script for the 690s as well. And then I will probably just co-publish episodes with my mass murder podcast. That podcast is in Swedish, so I will have to do some translation Which I will probably do on the fly, so the level of English will deteriorate horribly, starting then in episode 85. But I'm also looking for scripts. So scripts and patrons on Patreon, that's what I want. I also want to begin this episode with a special shout-out to Mac McGovern, who has... I said Matt there, Matt McGovern who has motivated me to create this episode today when I should really be recording murder podcasts. But I do love this podcast. I want it to continue. I am also looking for a co-host. So if you feel inclined to do that, let's talk about it. Okay, over to Shane Sorby's excellent script and the world in 5000 BC. We have now reached the year 4000 bc and the start of the fifth millennium although nothing much changes as opposed to the previous millennium the next one thousand years would see agriculture reaching the atlantic coast of continental europe and the first appearance of egypt into our story today we concentrate on events in the year 5000 bc itself first up china and Daxi culture the Daxi culture, 5,000 to 3,300 BC, uh, was located in the Tree Gorges region of the Middle Jiangxi River in China. It ranged from western Yubei to eastern Sichuan and the Pearl River Delta. The type site of Daxi was discovered in Kutang Gorge around Wushan, Chongqing by Nels C. Nelson in the 1920s. Daxi sites were the earliest in China to show evidence of moats and walled settlements. Despite this, people interacted and traded with those found near the Delta region, exchanging their cylindrical bottles, white plates and red pottery for jade artifacts. As was the norm for the Yangtze River area, people cultivated rice extensively. Little is known about the Daxi culture and they would be followed in 3300 BC, by the kuya culture. One thing for certain is that following the construction of the Three Gorges Dam in 2003, the site of Daxi is no longer accessible unless you plan to have a trip underwater. And that moves our focus to the Maya Bang culture, 5,000 to 3,300 BC as well. The same period as the Daxi culture, the people that the ducks he traded with at the Yangtze River Delta was known as the Maya Bang. The type uh, site of Maya Bang was discovered in 1959 around the Taihu Lake in Yeqing in Xiejiang province. Other sites included Songse and Fuquan Shan in the Qingpu district of modern-day Shanghai. Archaeologists considered that the Maya Bang and sites in northern Jiangsu were part of the same culture, known as the Qinglianggang culture. They realized that northern Jiangsu was the homeland of the Davenku culture. Some scholars stated that the Himudu culture, who we touched upon previously, coexisted with the Mayabang as two separate and distinct cultures, with cultural transmission between both of them. Other scholars group Hemudu with Mayabang sub-traditions. The Mayabang people cultivated rice and domesticated pigs. This did not mean that they abandoned hunting and gathering, though. Remains of Sika and roe deer, as well as tools made from various animal bones found at Songtsi, showed the importance of fishing and hunting at that time. The environment during the 5th millennium BC was warm and humid, with temperatures 2 to degrees Celsius higher than today. A lush forest containing evergreen and big-leaved trees were an obvious barrier to rice cultivation. To get around this, people produced polished stone axes and adzes that were perforated using pointed awls to carry out slash and burn agriculture. No evidence has been found for using advanced tube drilling perforation. Cultivated paddy fields of both short and long-grained rice were excavated from ash pits at Songtze that looked exactly like those found across East Asia today. This was highly developed during the Mayabang period and would continue to do so in the Shanghai area up to present day. Various pottery vessels were found at Songtse. Most of these were simple, handmade, using a coil technique from local clay strips and had a brownish-red color with no decoration. Various types of pottery included a Fu, which is a cauldron with a raised waist, a Du, which is a stem bowl, a pottery grate, and an ox-nose-shaped vessel's ear for stringing. The earliest example of a pottery grate in China enabled firepots to have sufficient oxygen to burn the firewood, saving fuel and speeding up the cooking process. We have already mentioned that jade artifacts were sent to the Daxi culture in exchange for bottles, plates and red pottery that have been found at Mayabang sites. Two wells made of clay in a tube shape with a smooth wall and rounded bottom. Provided the earliest evidence of a well in China at Songse. One well was two meters deep that contained pottery shards, net weights and animal bones. Digging and usage of both wells showed advancement of human civilization and provided better conditions for settled life for these people. A skeleton of a twenty five to thirty year old male with a complete skull was found dated to the Maya Bang Period, The discovery was of great importance for the study of the ecological environment for people living at the mouth of the Yangtze River. With the expansion of Yangtze River Delta, the Songse area was pushed farther away from the shoreline, its land was less salty and many lakes and ponds were distributed. Water plants and fruits were available all year round. Medium and large-sized animals lived in forests. Small animals, birds and fish lived on or beside rivers. And people began to settle on the hills. At Shan site, Wuxian, Jiangsu province, the earliest textile ever found in China was discovered from three pieces of cloth remnants dated to approximately 4,000 BC. They were made... By using a type of rib stitch rather than plain weaving, that showed the Maya Bang were quite advanced in this type of field. In 3300 BC, the Maya Bang was followed by the Liangshu culture, which we then will sadly not be able to cover in this podcast as of now. Next, we will speak about the Yangshuo culture, also 5000 to 3000 BC that is 300 years, longer than the other two. The Jiangshao culture was a Neolithic culture that was located along the Yellow River in China between 5000 and 3000 BC. It was named after Jiangshao, the first excavated village of this culture that was discovered in 1921 in Henan province by Swedish archaeologist Johan Gunnar Andersson. Finally, a name I could pronounce – as I am Swedish. That is why I sound like a drunk Viking. Anyway, it flourished in the provinces of Henan, Shaanxi, and Shanxi. It consisted of hundreds of settlements along the Yellow and Wei River regions, stretching across the northwestern plains from Changxi province in central China to Gansu province in the west. Yangshao village was located near the confluence of the Yellow. River, the Fen River and the Wei River. In approximately 4000 BC, carefully laid out villages were founded by hunter farmers on the Yellow River and the Wei River. The Yangshao culture itself is divided into three periods. The early period, the Ban Pu phase, is between 5000 and 4000 BC and it was represented by by the Bampu, Yangshai, Beishuling, and Dadivan sites in the Wei River Valley in Changchi. The middle period is called the Miaodigu phase, 4,000 to BC, and it saw an expansion in all directions with the development of hierarchies of settlements in some areas, such as western Henan. The late period, 3,500 to 3,000 BC saw a greater spread of settlement hierarchies. This saw the first wall of rammed earth in China, built around the settlement of Chichan in central Henan. The Yangshao people hunted, fished, gathered and practiced primitive agriculture. Stone tools unearthed by archaeologists consisted of fishing net sinkers, knives, shovels, millstones and arrowheads. Fishermen used nets and needles, harpoons and hooks made from bone. Craftsmen made tools from stone and jewelry, from shells and animal teeth. Based on studies of the amounts of carbon and nitrogen detected in bones found in graves, archaeologists determined that farmers, pigs and dogs ate lots of millet because it was the region's only carbon type of food. In fact, millet made up 90% of the diet of some animals. Some sites used foxtail millet as their main crop. Others used broom corn millet, and one or two may have cultivated rice. Whether they used slash-and-burn techniques or intensive agriculture is still a matter of debate. Once the soil was exhausted, residents packed up their belongings and moved to new lands, constructing new villages in the process. By the middle Yangshao period, permanent settlements such as Yangtze contained grinding stones for making flour, and raised floor buildings used for storage of surplus grain. Some of the earliest examples of clay pottery found in China were created as far back as 6000 BC in the Yangshao area. Pottery consisted of fine white, red and black painted pottery with human, animal and geometric designs. However, unlike the later Longshan culture The Yangsha did not use the potter's wheel to produce their pottery. Excavations found that children were buried inside painted pottery jars. Those jars must have been quite large. Between 4000 and 3500 BC, a bright red mineral known as cinnabar was used for a variety of uses, from ceramics to walls and floors of buildings for ritual ceremonies. As late as May 2016, archaeologists discovered evidence of a 5,000-year-old beer concoction and the earliest known occurrence of barley at Miya in Shaanxi province. Researchers found yellowish remnants.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
0: ...in wide-mouthed pots, funnels and amphorae excavated from the site, which suggested that these vessels were used for beer brewing, filtration and storage. According to live science, stoves were probably used to provide heat for mashing grains. Beer recipe used a variety of starchy grains, including barley, as well as tubers that would have added starch to fermentation and sweetness to flavor of the beer. The Miaya site consisted of ceramic pots, funnels and stoves in pits that to between 3,400 and 2,900 B.C. Yangshau villages covered an area of 10 to 14 acres that composed of groups of square, oblong and round houses around a central square. At the center of the village, there was a lodge-like dwelling or ceremonial center, 60 foot long, with rooms and multiple hearths. The largest example was found in shang 20.1 meters from east to west and 12.2 meters north to south uh, and not 190 square meters in size. So where did the extra cost? 20 times 12 is 240. There's 50 square meters missing. Maybe it wasn't a, a rectangle. The floor consisted of several layers with a burnt hard black layer below and a cement-like surface made from lime and sand. A kiln was found with a round fire pit and pottery chamber alongside two surrounding fire channels. Houses were built by digging a round rectangular pit a few feet deep, rammed and a lattice of vattle woven over it. The lattice was plastered with mud and rammed again. A few short wattle pools were placed around the top with more wattle woven to it. After being plastered with mud, a framework of poles was placed to make a cone shape for the roof. Poles were added to support the roof and then thatched using millet stalks. Inside, a shallow fireplace was located in the middle of the house, a bench alongside the wall and a bed of cloth. Food and various items were placed or hung against the walls. Outside the house... A pen was built to keep animals. Burials were complex. Like the segmented village structures, graves were arranged in groupings with spaces between groups. And a lot of attention was paid to burials. Many graves did not reveal skeletal remains at all. But an arrangement of bones clearly indicated the bodies of the deceased were dug up and ceremonially reburied. Known as secondary burial. This practice endures in Chinese cultured areas today. The deceased were buried in temporary graves until they decomposed. After this, graves were reopened, bones were cleaned, and then they were buried again in the final resting place. The young Xiao devoted the deceased by investment of considerable amounts of resources in graves. Graves were dug as deep chambers with ledges along the walls, that contained pottery and other valuable objects. Floors inside graves were paved with wooden planking and mats. Many grave goods indicated distinctions in wealth and status of the occupants. Poorer burials included one or two pots, while some of the larger graves surrounding the deceased contained beautifully decorated pots, fine tools and ornaments that indicated the role of that the deceased had played amongst the living. In one large grave, nearly one hundred pots, along with other objects, celebrated the grandeur of the occupant, whose skeleton was buried under opulent grave goods that had moved on top of him over thousands of years. The oldest Yangshou site was Ban Pu, an excavated village along the Wei River east of qian in Changchi province. Discovered in 1953. The village contained kilns for making pottery, 250 graves that included 73 children buried inside earthen pots, a 300-meter-long moat to keep out wild animals, 200 storage cellars and 46 semi-subterranean round or square houses. All doors faced toward a large 160-square-meter one-room dwelling that reflected the clan organization of the group. Pottery activity was carried out at six kilns in the east of the village, using fine-grained and sandy coarse clay. On pottery fragments, 12 different kinds of markings or symbols included some of the main strokes used in Chinese characters. Is this another candidate for earliest Chinese writing? Whether these were writing or not, these symbols did have some meaning in the village on Banpu and for the Yangshou culture in general. Other artifacts found at Banpu included stone axes, fish hooks, fishbone forks, bone needles, and stone and bone and ivory ornamentation. The Yangshao culture was followed by the Longshan culture in 3000 BC, and I wish I could talk to you about the Longshan culture because I really like that. But there's only one script left. We will only get to 4, 900 BC in this series. But now let's forget about that and talk about the Naper Donuts culture, which existed 5,000 to 4,200 BC. Let's head now to the fringes of Europe. In the last episode, we looked at the Samara culture on the lower Volga River, emerging to the west of the Samara. In approximately 5000 BC was the Dnieper Donets culture, a hunter-gatherer Mesolithic culture located to the north of the Black Sea between the Dnieper and the Donets River. It lasted until 4200 BC when it was replaced by the Yamina culture. As stated, there are parallels between the Niper Donets and Samara. According to the Kurgan hypothesis, as proposed by Maria Gimbutas, a larger horizon was drawn from the lower half of the Dnieper to the mid to lower Volga. Dimitri Teleginru assigned the Dnieper donuts to a broad cultural region that spanned the Vistula River in Poland, southeast to the Dnieper. J.P. Mallory, who wrote in search of the Indo-Europeans in 1989, included this area within the limits of the Proto-Indo-European people, those warlike cultures that Maria Gimbutas advocated with first the Samara culture. The role of the Dnieper donuts and its language in comparison to the Pontic Caspian cultures, like the succeeding Shredni Stog and Jamna cultures, is open to debate. The display of cultural traits does point to long-standing mutual contact or genetic relations between these cultures. Physical remains found in graves have been characterized by the advocates of the Kurgan hypothesis as late cro yong you know, those first human ancestors that arrived from Africa 45,000 years ago. This is opposed to those Neolithic cultures found in the Balkans, who have been described as old European and meek. This is a theory that doesn't find much favor with many scholars. The pottery of this culture is similar to those found in other Mesolithic cultures that lived on the edge of the expanding Neolithic cultures further to the south and to the east. In particular, its pointed base was just like those found with the Erteböle, of northern Germany and Denmark, which we discussed in the previous episode, remember? As a reminder, the theory goes that the pottery started with the Samara, made its way up the Volga River and then proceeded across the Baltic shoreline, influencing other Mesolithic cultures. It looks like this type of pottery made its way westwards into the Ukraine as well. You did not need agriculture to have pottery. Likewise, when agriculture started in the Near East, pottery was not invented and wouldn't be for about 4,000 years, so you could easily have agriculture without pottery and pottery without agriculture. Bordering the Neperdonas culture in the West was the linear pottery culture that had been active for approximately 500 years. By 5000 BC, a subgroup of the linear pottery emerged in Hungary spreading its influence over Central Europe for the next 1,600 years. And this is the Lengjel culture, so 5,000 to 3,400 BC. The Lengjel culture was a European Neolithic culture situated on the Middle Danube, named after the type site located in the town of Lengjel in Tolna County in Hungary. It was closely related to the stroke ornamented Rosen and Funnelbeakle cultures to the north and west, and would be succeeded by the Corded Ware culture in 3400 BC. Rather than being a narrow, unified agricultural culture, archaeological culture, the Lengiel was a widespread interaction sphere or cultural horizon that was centered in the western-central European part of the Danube and its tributaries. We know this as Lengyel pottery could be found in Western Hungary, in the Czech Republic, in Slovakia, in Austria, in Poland and in parts of former Yugoslavia. Similar pottery styles appeared in parts of Germany and Switzerland. The pottery itself tended to be utilitarian and unpainted. Between 1982 and 1988, the cleric Mor Wosinski excavated a large number of artifacts from 90 graves found in the vicinity of the Lengyel enclosure. Based on the recovered pottery, Oswald Mengen of the University of Vienna introduced the term Lengyel culture in the 1920s. Some of the artifacts found included copper in the form of cylindrical beads cold hammered copper ribbons and copper ribbon with ends curled into spirals. We have not got to the stage of smelting copper though, so we cannot call this the copper age yet. As for the enclosure, well, these were surrounded by one or more circular ditches with causeways. This would be similar to those found in southern England in the early 4th millennium BC. Most circular oval ditch enclosures can be found in Austria, in the Czech Republic, in Slovakia, and in Hungary. It is likely that these were used for celestial observation, a forerunner to the standing stones of the late 4th millennium and the early 3rd millennium BC. Settlements consisted of small houses and a similar longhouse that was found with the linear pottery culture. The only difference is that the Lengyel longhouse was trapezoidal in style, abandoning the triple segmentation and rectangular plan of the linear pottery. This change of architecture could be a result of a change in climate following the end of the warm period in approximately 4,700 BC. Houses needed to be sturdier, so deep bedding trenches were dug to maintain the posts. The longhouse itself was abandoned by small rectangular houses, in approximately 4300 or 4200 BC. Another effect of the changing climate was that some lingual sites started to have greater reliance on hunting. Does this mean that agriculture was starting to be abandoned? Well, no. Agriculture and stock raising, mainly cattle and pigs, continue to be practiced, but a large number of wild faunal remains suggested that crops were not doing so well in the poorer climate conditions. This did not prevent agriculture from spreading further north and west though and we will look at further Neolithic cultures in the next episode. Next time we head to Saxony in Germany to look at our first Neolithic enclosure known as the Gossack Circle. We will head to Romania, to Moldova and to western Ukraine to discuss the Neolithic and possibly first Copper Age culture to emerge in Europe, known as the Cocotene-Tropelian culture, and return to southern Mesopotamia to catch up with the Ubaid period, where both maritime activities and influence to the north occurred. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye from me, and goodbye from Shane Sowersby, who wrote this. So, uh... Let's speak to you again next time.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more